Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First and foremost, I want to thank all of our listeners out there for Tuning in day after day after day, we've got a very, very loyal following. We may not have the biggest following out there. We may not be able to match up with listener counts from some of the uh, you know, uh, wider-ranging websites that are out there, some of the ones with a bigger market share, but we've got a very loyal listener base. We keep adding people as the seasons go along, and they stick around. So thank you so much to each and every one of you that listens on a daily basis. Those of you that have been with us for a long time, and also those of you that have found the show here this season. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. Lots of great stuff going on over there at the website right now. My daily MLB picks can be found on a daily basis. Also, Kyle Hunter still doing his daily college basketball picks throughout the rest of this week here, if we get a game on Friday between South Florida and DePaul. Uh, we've also got Parker Michaels' daily NHL picks. NHL playoffs start one week from today. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to take Adderall laced with speed. It's the NHL playoffs. That's coming up here next week. Also the NBA playoffs beginning next week. So lots of great stuff coming your way over at bangthebook.com. Make sure you keep it tuned over there. As you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino. At BetDSI, it's only a game until you bet it. One guest here on the program, it is our good buddy Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and daily at bangthebook.com. Kyle, how's it going today, man? Going well. How about yourself, Adam? Doing very well, buddy. Appreciate the time as always, man. And, uh, you know, before I get too far into this segment, and I will thank everybody uh, who's a guest on the show here at the end of uh, at the end of today's segment, but, man, you have been an absolute warrior for us this season. Coming on the show twice a week during college basketball season, the daily article the Situational Spots article. You've been a phenomenal resource for me and for Bang the Book ever since we started doing our college football podcast together, taking it up a notch here this season with the daily college basketball piece. I cannot thank you enough, brother. You're a great friend to me, a great friend to the site, and I feel like a lot of our listeners feel like they know you as well. So thank you so much for all your contributions here this year, man. Well, thanks for saying that, first of all. You know, uh, certainly means a lot to me. Um, you know, I consider you a great friend as well. And um, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting and pretty cool how, you know, so many listeners have been able to listen to us all since the college football podcast started. And first of all, it's it's hard to believe it's been as long as it has, you know, I think we both enjoy doing this so much that, you know, it's uh, time really can fly. So, um, you know, and so many listeners have listened to us from the beginning and, and almost have, 
you know, just gotten so used to us. It's like that, you know, just by hearing us that they become friends with us and then with people. I think that's what, you know, can set this apart from uh, other shows as well as, you know, a, a lot of people ask me questions and say, I can't believe you actually answered. You know, I can't believe this is actually you answering. Um, you know, try to try to be really open with everybody and, and answer questions as they come in and things like that. And I, I want to say thanks to you. Uh, you know, you make this show a lot of fun to do. And uh, it was, it's been great working with you and, uh, you know, just doing the daily article. I've had a good time with that. And I know quite a few people have appreciated that. And I, and I appreciate everybody reaching out about the daily article and, and these shows, you know, we get a lot of positive feedback about this as well. And, uh, I've certainly enjoyed doing so, and, and college basketball, I, you know, I have a passion for college basketball, so coming on twice a week has been a lot of fun, and and uh, thanks for making this show always enjoyable to do as well. Well, I certainly appreciate that, and, and again, my sentiments uh, to our listeners for listening to us on a, you know, twice-a-week basis or for however long it's been. I mean, look, man, we did our first college football podcast August of 2013 here for Bang the Book, so it has been a very, very long time. Wouldn't change anything. I think it's been a whole lot of fun. And, uh, you know, obviously here it's been good to chat college basketball over the last several weeks. So hopefully we can finish things out strong here. And let's go ahead and start with the CBI because that game is tonight, South Florida and DePaul. A buzzer beater, a thriller for South Florida in game one. This is a three-game series. Both games at DePaul if necessary here. And based on the line movement, looks like we're going to need Friday's game because this number is up from four and a half to six with the blue demons now at home. Yeah, this is an interesting move. Uh, you know, I thought four and a half was a fair number, uh, maybe even a touch high. Um, I, I took U- USF here plus six for one unit in the daily uh, college basketball article. So uh, still go ahead and read that, but I uh, see why, why I had that one, but a uh, spoiler alert for that one a little bit. Um, you know, this is just a, a line grab for me. This is uh, a USF team. That's very good on defense. Uh, DePaul team that hasn't really shown that they can beat quality teams by large margins. And uh, DePaul has an injury question mark as well. You know, this is a DePaul team that isn't terribly deep. Um, it surprises me when, you know, they've got Devin Gage, questionable for this one it looks like he's probably going to miss this game uh you know depth is an issue for them like i said i don't i don't think that they have uh very high level talent to to step right in i think this is more about the they have to win you know this is the whole we talk about it in college football we talk about it in the nfl uh nba every sport you know well they have to win so you know this is the side you have to bet um, the Paul has to win this game. That that doesn't necessarily mean they will, and it also doesn't mean that they'd win by seven points here. So, um, I first of all, I'd say that I like the the best of three format here. I think it's pretty cool to have a uh, unique college basketball setup here because you know everybody just is one and done. I think it's nice to have something a little bit different. And in this one, I you know I would have thought if the line was reasonable, you know, it would have made sense to have DePaul if it was minus three or three and a half or something like that. But six is a, a big difference from that. And like I said, you know, these games also get lower scoring as you go. Another thing I considered here was the under. Um, I still lean to the under here at 146, 146 and a half. Um, this is a, you know, the two teams played pretty slowly a couple nights ago. They did shoot fairly poorly. So, you would expect their shooting numbers to be a bit better than that. But, 
you know, as we get later into these postseason tournaments, even the smaller ones, um, especially the smaller ones, really, you know, you have a ton of value on the over early on, and then the under uh, has value late. I think the under cashed in every game in the in college basketball last night, at least on the opening number. So, um, you know, the Green Bay and Texas Southern game even went into overtime and the opening number um, won on the under. So, uh, you know, it's showing itself out. That, you know, uh, the NIT has Madison Square Garden, which is definitely a, a benefit to the under. And then the other smaller tournaments have been so high that the numbers, uh, they put them out a bit higher than they should be when the games start meaning more. So to me in this one, you know, this number has just gotten awfully high. It's not so much that I think South Florida's going to win the game. It's just a price grab at plus six for me. This is it's interesting because South Florida is a team that has some pretty well defined home road splits here. When you look at a team that's number one in the country in free throw rate, they are pretty dependent on getting those calls. Uh, when you look at them away from home or on neutral sites, they're just five and eight. When you look at them at home, they're seventeen and five straight up. So there are some home road splits here at play. Maybe that's kind of factoring into the line move a little bit as well. But I agree with you that you know there's this must win type of mindset. And look, you know, South Florida in this tournament, they've played really well defensively. Offensively, they've been held to under one point per possession in all four games. So I guess you can understand why you might be a little bit worried about their offense going out on the road uh, to the point where they already aren't doing a very good job of scoring the basketball. What happens when they're away from home for the first time since March 14th when they played the AAC Conference Tournament game um, in Memphis? I don't know. I'm not really sure what that looks like for the Bulls here. I think that that's part of the, uh, you know, part of the reason for this line move. I don't think it's necessarily one concrete angle or two concrete angles. I think it's just kind of people saying, well, you know, they haven't played a road game in, in what, three, four weeks. So maybe it's just a little bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think that, you know, that's more than baked into this line at this point. And I'm certainly not saying that DePaul couldn't come out and win this game by 15 points, uh, you know, and make it a one unit play there on the article. And, uh, you know, that's one of the smallest plays I've made. So it's more about, uh, you know, this is the only game to pick from. And and I felt like there was a little bit of a price grab. I will say, uh, you know, if you look back at South Florida's road performance, I think it might be a little bit better than you would think. You've got, uh, a road loss in overtime to Temple. It was an NCAA tournament team. A, cr- a close road loss to Tulsa, who was a pretty decent team. Uh, they lost by eight at Cincinnati, but they were down by one with six minutes left in that game. Uh, they played UCF fairly well on the road. Houston, they lost by 12. Uh, UConn, they lost by two. So even if they lose, they haven't really been getting blown out on the road. So now, like I said, you know, DePaul, uh, Gage probably won't play. The Paul's bench, not good at all. Uh, you know, it just doesn't add up to, to a minus six for me and Paul. So uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, USF's defense can keep this one close. All right, so we go to Thursday here. Now we go to the NIT finals. This is the first game by rotation order, so this is the one that we'll talk about here. Lipscomb and Texas. Texas, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at the shops that have posted this morning. Odds a little bit slow to come out for this one with the semifinals last night. Uh, but you know, right now, Texas, just a one-and-a-half-point favorite at MSG. Yeah, I mean, Madison Square Garden, the uh, first thing I want to say about this one is it's a great under arena. 
Um, I think now the under, after two of them cashing last night, the under 62 and 39 in the last uh, 101 college basketball games there. So you've got a, uh, you know, just a, a place that really helps the under quite a bit. You see a line move to the under here to start with. That's not surprising at all. Um, you know, the first half under's done really well here, and full game unders have done well also. Uh, Lipscomb versus Texas. You know, Lipscomb's going to try to push the tempo here. Texas, I would think, would try to slow the game down. Usually you don't see that from a smaller team versus a big team, but Lipscomb is going to want to run here. And uh, Lipscomb's game last night, even though it was very low, it was because the shooting percentages was, were low from Madison Square Garden. Wichita um, State was 5 for 23 on three-pointers. Lipscomb was 9 for 33. Um, Garrison Matthews was the only one uh, really making too many shots for, for Lipscomb from the outside, and uh, even he was 5 for 15. So uh, some of those were some really tough shots. But Lipscomb is really going to try to push the pace here. Um, I, I'm inclined to like Lipscomb here on the side. Uh, you know, veteran team, this is kind of their last run at it. Texas, I mean, they played really well last night against uh, TCU. They had a lot of reasons to be very highly motivated for that game, having lost twice to them and were blown out at home um, in the Big 12 slate. Certainly, I think Texas will be playing hard here. I don't think that, you know, they're not going to try in the finals. But I like this Lipscomb team. You know, I think that Lipscomb uh, is good enough on the defensive glass to where they're able to hold their own against a lot of these bigger teams. And Texas is not really a uh, good offensive rebounding team or that good of a rebounding team in general. Uh, Texas is good defensively. Uh, we'll see if Lipscomb can get decent shots in this one. Certainly lean to the under. I mean, I can't take an over at Madison Square Garden here in the finals. Uh, this number is fairly low. They they didn't put it out as high as what you would hope sometimes. So um, there was, was an adjustment made here. I will consider the under, and I will also consider Lipscomb here. Well, I saw this morning, or maybe it was last night on Twitter, that uh, our good friend Brad Powers, at Brad Powers at number seven on Twitter, said that the under in the semifinals for the NIT at Madison Square Garden is now 18-2 and two over the last two mm-hmm. years. So that gives you an idea you know, of Madison Square Garden and, and just how tough of a shooting backdrop it actually is. Let me ask you about this. You know, I, I know that you followed Lipscomb fairly closely, and certainly a lot more closely than in past years with the A-Sun line on a regular basis. Are they going to be able to handle this Shaka Smart pressing havoc type defense? Yeah, I absolutely think Lipscomb's good against the press. I mean, uh, I will say Texas is pressing less than you would think. And uh, I've I've read some articles that said that Shaka Smart was afraid that he wouldn't get the same level of recruits if he pressed as much as he did at VCU. Uh, He he thought some people wouldn't want to go there, which, um, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the – The word was, and Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll say that, you know, Texas isn't pressing like they have in the past or what you thought they would necessarily. And I think even if they do press, Lipscomb's well um, ready for a press. You know, this is a team that has multiple really good ball handlers. 
uh, veterans out there in the backcourt. I do think they can handle the press. I don't even know if it would be best for Texas to press in this game very much. Uh, if you look at Lipscomb's numbers against the press, they're very good. So uh, they haven't faced too many of them this year, but they've been very good against the presses that they have seen. Uh, they did a good job against North Carolina State. Their pressure defense, uh, Lipscomb got some open threes out of that. They made 14 out of 28 three-pointers in that one. Only 11 turnovers against NC State. And, and NC State's a team that's able to force turnovers, you know, at the 28th highest rate in the country. If you look at Texas, you know, Texas – at this point is forcing turnovers at the 146th highest rate in the country. Texas is good at taking care of the ball on offense. So uh, I guess the, the bigger question mark to me would be, you know, can Lipscomb keep guys like Kerwin Roach out of the lane? You know, they need to be able to um, make them take outside shots. You know, if you let Texas get to the rim, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, obviously the biggest concern here is Texas plays a lot tougher schedule than does Lipscomb. And Lipscomb playing a tough non-conference schedule has certainly helped them here in this tournament. I also really, really like the way Lipscomb plays away from home. They're still number one in the Haslametrics rating for away from home play. Um, they're not scared of playing away from home. I don't think they'll be scared of playing a big-name team like Texas. Um, you know, they just went to NC State and won on the road. They just beat Wichita State. And last night I was really impressed with them to be able to come back from, I think they were down 11 with seven something left in the game, come back and win that game. So um, I, I like Lipscomb here. I don't know that plus one and a half is a great value. I would have hoped that they'd be a little bit bigger underdog than that. But, um, you know, the odds makers are starting to show them more respect now, and I think that makes sense based on how good they've looked here in the NIT. All right, so the other game on Thursday night here in the CIT, this is the finals for this one. Green Bay, formerly known as Wisconsin Green Bay, takes on Marshall. Marshall won by two points last night over Hampton, tried their best to give the game away in the second half. Green Bay, on the other hand, an overtime thriller against Texas Southern, won that game 87-86. Neither favorite covered, but both favorites won outright and advanced here. So now we've got Marshall a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and the thing that stands out the most to me, and I think if this is baked into the number, this is not a good spot for Green Bay with the quick turnaround. Not sure if they were going to have travel plans. The overtime win over Texas Southern. Is that the defining factor in this game for the Marshall side? Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple things that stand out to me. Number one, you know, the line is what it is at minus five and a half. And I think that that is baked into the number. The number two is the total has come down here pretty quickly. Um, you know, you would always be surprised to see uh, people rushing to bet the under with Wisconsin Green Bay or just Green Bay, as they like to be called now, um, against Marshall. You know, these are two teams that really like to run. Um, Marshall's fifth in the country in tempo. Green Bay is 12th. Um, you know, you have to think that the tempo is going to be very fast in this game. Having said that, Marshall has played unders here in, in the postseason thus far, um, I think all three of their games have gone under and, and probably by a decent amount on all three of these. So, um, you know, maybe they're pushing the tempo a little bit less than you would think. I think more than anything else, Marshall's defense has been a little bit better than you would think. Green Bay is not a terribly efficient team on offense. Um, you know, I would say it'd still be hard for me to bet the under here. You know, if you take under 168, 168 and a half, uh, 169, you're taking uh, – you know, a pretty big risk here with these two teams because even though this is a final game, 
you know, when you get two teams that play that fast against each other, um, I, I don't love that under. Uh, I think this one, you know, projects as a game that probably should be, you know, 171 or 172. But, you know, the line got bet down partially because all the unders have been cashing and we're late in, in a tournament here. So I understand the late in the tournament thing. And, and uh, maybe the line's fair what it is now, but I, I wouldn't take the under here. I couldn't take the under because, you know, this could be a game that, that we see, you know, 85 possessions in. And if you play 85 possessions, it's a lot easier to get to 170. So, um, you know, as far as the side, I'll say that I don't know, you know, Marshall has had some fairly weak opponents here in this uh, conference or in this postseason tournament. You've got IUPUI really kind of fell apart at the end of the season. Presbyterian from a much weaker conference. Um, Hampton from a much weaker conference. And they didn't really dominate those teams. I mean, um, like you just said, the, the thing that worries me if I was going to take Green Bay is this is not a good travel spot at all. Quick turnaround, go someplace that you never go. Um, you know, I, I'm not excited to bet this game in any way, to be honest with you. I, I, this will be one that I'd rather sit on the sidelines. Well, and, and one of my picks in my Tuesday three-pack video over on our Bang the Book YouTube page, and, and make sure you check out the Bang the Book YouTube page. Kyle will have some thoughts here. Uh, on the final four and, and some prop betting stuff here this week. But, you know, one of the things that I looked at was Marshall's offense just hasn't been overly efficient here in this tournament. They played 81 possessions against IUPUI, only scored 78 points, 78 possessions against the Presbyterian team, playing a third road game in seven days, including a trip out to Seattle. And, yeah, they had 1.07 points per possession, but you would expect a little bit more in that spot from Marshall Then yesterday, look, we had 89 points in the first half of that game. Total was 174, was on a pretty decent track. Then all of a sudden, Marshall kind of plays prevent defense in the second half. Game slows down. They almost give the game away. If not for the travel spot here for Green Bay, I'd be looking to fade Marshall for the reasons you just mentioned. You know, they've played three fairly weak teams, and also they haven't had a killer instinct when they've been in fairly advantageous spots. I mean, they should have blown Hampton out last night. They were up 12 at the break. They had 51 points in the first half. They were doing whatever the hell they wanted offensively. They took their foot off the gas, and maybe they did that looking ahead to you know, the game tomorrow night, but I don't know. I, I don't like teams that do that. I, I just don't want to trust them, especially when they're laying numbers that you know, do look fair or maybe even a little bit inflated. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I mean, they did the same thing against IUPUI. They were up 70-55 to 55 with 10.07 left in the game. They scored eight points the rest of the game. So um, they've done that twice in their three games here in the postseason as far as letting off the gas. If I had to take a side here, I would take Green Bay plus five and a half. But, you know, not having to take a side and knowing that there's better spots than this one, you know, I, I am scared of Green Bay off that overtime game. You know, if that game had not gone to overtime and been so tight the whole way, I might take it. But, um, you know, that they put a lot into that game, winning at home against Texas Southern. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a difficult spot for them, as we've been saying. And uh, that's certainly baked into the number. You know, if this number gets higher, it'll be interesting to see where this line moves. Um, you know, I, I don't know where this line's going to move, to be honest with you. I think this is probably about where it'll finish at minus five and a half. But, if you get Green Bay, you know, six and a half or seven or something like that, if it moves up the same way that, uh, you know, DePaul did or something, then I might be interested in getting Green Bay plus the points. But, you know, it's hard to uh, bet a team in that difficult of a spot. 
Well, I do think – I will say this. I think there are some live and derivative opportunities for this game. You know, if Green Bay gets off to a slow start, then the way that Marshall has played in this tournament, you would think that Green Bay, from a live standpoint, plus the points would make some sense. Now, maybe they completely run out of gas coming out of that game against Texas Southern, but because Marshall hasn't had that killer instinct, let's say Marshall's up eight at the break or something like that, eight or ten at the break, maybe you take Green Bay's second half because of the propensity that Marshall has had to kind of slow down a little bit. On the flip side, if Green Bay starts hot, then you factor that fatigue and that quick turnaround into the equation. Maybe you play Marshall's second half. So I think maybe you avoid this game from a pregame standpoint, but there could be some live betting opportunities if you're looking for something to do on Thursday night. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that, you know, some live betting opportunities may present themselves here and, and maybe you see a, a really slow start with almost no scoring, and then you can bet the over because you assume if, if the tempo stays the same way, they're going to start knocking down some shots, too. That's another way that I would at least consider to bet that game. Well, and of course, too, I mean, if Marshall doesn't take its foot off the gas in that game against Hampton, that thing's probably in following range. But because they did take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit, wound up getting close to a one-two possession game, you're not going to follow as much at that point. And then obviously Texas Southern and Green Bay played very close throughout as well. So this is a game. You're talking about the last college game you may ever play and some hardware on the line. Maybe this is one that does kind of fall into that following range as well. So that even adds a little bit more credence to your point of maybe you don't take this over pregame, but maybe you get a decent live number once things get underway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, a six-point spread, five-and-a-half, six-point spread is about perfect for a fouling range. You know, I've been asked this question sometimes here in the recent past, and, you know, if the spread's at two or three, it's not really a good sign for a foul fest because if it's actually that close, they're not going to be fouling, like you just said. So if it is, you know, five-and-a-half, six, six-and-a-half-point spread, it's a pretty good margin to, uh, to hope that there could be a foul fest. Well, as we transition over to Saturday and take a look at the Final Four here, I just want to remind everybody that you can still get a piece of the Final Four or you can look to you know, cash out on the Final Four teams that you have left over at PropSwap.com. We've been talking about PropSwap here throughout the month of March and all the different opportunities that are available to you. Those opportunities still present right now, not just for the Final Four and the National Championship game, but also in the NBA for the NBA playoffs, the NHL for the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball futures posted over there as well. NFL, college football, bunch of stuff going on over at PropSwap where you can buy and sell those futures tickets at odds that sportsbooks aren't able to give you. So head on over to PropSwap.com slash BTB. Again, PropSwap.com slash BTB. See what's listed over there. See what tickles your fancy. See if you want to get involved here with the Final Four or with something else. So with that, Kyle... Let's start with the first game on the board chronologically. I know this is the second game from a rotation number standpoint because it's on the right side of the bracket. But we'll start with the first semifinal game here. Auburn and Virginia up from five with Juice to five and a half at Bookmaker. Bookmaker also showing signs of possibly going up to six here in this matchup. And look, this is, I mean, I think this matchup is as obvious as it gets. If Auburn makes their outside shots, they win. If they don't, they lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll try to say a little bit more, but I agree with you. I mean, I think that's, a, you know, really the most important thing of this game is Auburn's going to shoot a bunch of threes. 
are they going to make them? You know, um, they're not going to get into the paint like they did against Kentucky. I was surprised that they got into the paint so often against them. Virginia is not going to let that happen with that pack line defense. So, you know, without Chuma Okiki, uh, big, big loss for Auburn. You know, defensive rebounds have been a problem for them to start with. I was really impressed with their ability to scrap and, and keep Kentucky pretty much at bay there. You know, they almost held them even on the, on the boards, which was certainly surprising. I will say, I think that uh, rallying for one game without a, a big guy that's a really key to your team is a lot easier to do than winning three games in a row. You know, so now they have to do it again against a Virginia team that really dominated Purdue on the boards, which really surprised me. Um, you know, Virginia, obviously, the way they got out of that game, uh, crazy game. And, and, you know, having a Purdue plus four and a half ticket, I don't want to say too much game, honestly, but, uh, you know, that, that's one that, it was one of the best games I've seen in college basketball, but in the way it ended, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, certainly um, as a Purdue backer in that one. But, you know, Virginia, I think the biggest thing about them in that game is they had a lot of pressure on them in that game. You know, they, they haven't been to the final four, even though they've been so highly ranked so many times uh, to me, you know, getting to the final four was the thing that was really, really stressful for them. And that, you know, if you reach the final four, then, you know, you haven't really had a disappointing season. You know, Virginia got to where they were supposed to get as far as, you know, their seed. And and now I think that there's less pressure on them than there was before, in my opinion. So I will say, before I saw this line, I, I was hoping I could bet Virginia in this game. And then five and a half comes out. And I say, man, I don't know if I can lay five and a half points. Um, you know, 72% of the bets here on Auburn, um, the money is a little bit more split there. But you know, so far the public likes Auburn. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, certainly some of the public has bet so far, but most of the public will bet closer to the game. I, you know, I think this is a tough one because I think this is a good matchup for Virginia. You know, I think Virginia's offense is better than what they've shown here in the tournament. I know they looked really good in the second half against Purdue, but they're still only at 30% from three for, for the NCAA tournament. And this is a pretty good shooting team in Virginia. Virginia's second in the country in offensive efficiency. So, you know, to me, the the key is, is Auburn going to make their threes? And does Virginia make their threes? Because both of them are going to shoot plenty of threes in this one. The other thing that I think is pretty important to point out here is Virginia's transition defense is no better than mediocre. Uh, Virginia's half-court defense is the best in the nation. Auburn knows they have to get out and run here. If Auburn gets in a half-court style game, they're in big trouble. So I think that, you know, maybe you look at the over if, if you have a lean on the total – I'll say this, I can't bet an over in a Virginia game, so I, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, if if I were forced to take a bet on the total here, I would take the over rather than the under. I think this number is fairly low. You know, it being at U.S. Bank Arena is part of the reason it's low. You know, um, these big stadiums are not good for shooting in general, although there have been some pretty high-scoring games in the Final Four here in recent past. So, um, you know, this is one where I think Virginia still is a bit – 
lower uh, totaled here in some games like this than what they should be based on the fact that they didn't used to have an offense. Now that they're very good on offense. If you look at efficiency metrics, they're better on offense than they are on defense this year. So, you know, Auburn has to get out and transition, try to score quickly. I think the big question mark here, too, is can Auburn force those turnovers against Virginia? Auburn's first in the country in turnovers forced. Can they do that to Virginia? I think Virginia has too many good ball handlers to, um, you know, have the 20 turnovers or some really high number uh, of turnovers that Auburn's usually forcing. And I think that that makes it difficult for Auburn because, you know, you don't get as many run-out opportunities if you're not forcing those turnovers. And Virginia – Virginia knows that Auburn's going to try to run. I mean, I don't think they're going to send as many people at the offensive glass as they normally would because they're going to try, be trying to get back. So, to me, Virginia's been the more consistent team. They haven't really shot the ball well in the tournament. and Here they are still already at the Final Four. Um, this matchup favors Virginia, in my opinion, but five and a half is a pretty high number. Well, what's so intriguing about this game, and you covered a lot of the great angles and a lot of, you know, uh, check marks that I was going to talk about with the turnover rate, with the big venue, I mean, 67,000 seat stadium, you know, obviously a much different type of shooting backdrop. What's so interesting is that at every other part of any season, doesn't matter what sport it is, the public wants to back the safe team. They want to back the team that gives them that confidence level, that gives them the warm and fuzzies when they submit that bet. In this game, that team is Virginia and the public is not on them. Auburn is the high-variance team. Auburn is the more exciting team. I know Virginia's scary because of their NCAA tournament resume, but this is a team that plays defense in a venue where defense is probably going to win more often than not. This is a team that takes great care of the basketball against a team that has to force turnovers to have a lot of success. Virginia is the better rebounding team. They're the safer team all around in just about every aspect of this game. And the public usually trends toward those teams. That's not the case here in this game. So for those reasons, I think Virginia is the right side. That's not to say I'm going to play it because five and a half is a pretty big number here. Although they may have to cover this game at the free throw line, but it is always interesting to see that contrast where, you know, early on in the year, when everyone's doing college basketball, the public's betting Duke, the public's betting Kentucky, the public's betting, you know, this and all these teams that regularly win 30 or 35 games a year. Here in this one, you've got that high-variance team in Auburn, and the public likes them a lot. Maybe it's because you, know, you can basically get two-to-one on that money line wager, but, man, I look at Virginia, and I, if I have to take something here, it's them. Yeah, I think, in, like you said, Auburn's a high-variance team to where if, if Auburn lost this game by 15 or 20 points, it wouldn't be shocking. Um, you know, Virginia, if they lose, you would think this would be a very close game. You know, obviously anything can happen, but uh, Virginia is very consistent. You know, they've been they, – they are what they are. They play good defense. They're much better at shooting. They take care of the ball. They're much better at rebounding this year as well. So, you know, Virginia doesn't really have many weaknesses. In the past, it could be shooting. Now it's not. You know, they shoot 39.5% from long range for the season. And their third – in three-point defense in the country for the season, which I think is a worrisome sign for, for Auburn. And, I've, you know, I've heard some people say, uh, well, you know, did you see Carson Edwards making threes out there? I mean, look, you know, we all watched that game. 
you think many people are going to be making those threes like Carson Edwards was making? I mean, those were really, really tough shots. I mean, it, it was not Virginia playing bad defense. I'm going to have to disagree with uh, Charles Barkley's take after the game there that, you know, uh, Virginia's defense needed to do a better job on Carson Edwards. Look, they had two guys running at him, and he's shooting fadeaway threes from 29 or 30 feet away. I mean, what do you want to do? So, um, if Auburn just makes all, makes really difficult threes, then they could win this game. But, you know, Virginia can guard the three-point line, and they've proven that already. I also like the point that you made about Virginia and the pressure being off now. I mean, you know, not to say they're playing with house money, not to say they're going to go out there and, and freewheel it or anything like that, but this is a different team now that they got to the Final Four. I, I agree with you. I think that emotionally, you know, they can say – you know, hey, we got over the hump, but we're not done yet. And I think that's something that really does matter here at this time of the year, to be sure. I got to ask, I know we talked about this before the tournament started, that your son picked Virginia to win it all. Did he have them playing Auburn in the Final Four? No, he didn't. Uh, but in the bracket of uh, a contest of about 12 people, uh, the two people who have the best chance to win it now are my son and my wife. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um my wife has Michigan State winning it all, and my son has Virginia winning it all. So uh, I'm not sure who to root for here. I, I think I might have to root for my son just because, you know, he's kind of had a difficult year and then the fact that this is his first time. So, you know, as a fan, I, I like Virginia, and I, I like the fact that they've finally gotten to this point after uh, going through so much adversity. But, uh, you know, no, I don't think anybody could have had Virginia versus Auburn. Well, and let's be honest here the last thing you want in a contest like that is your wife winning it because you never <laughs> hear the end of it. You've got to root for your son here. Maybe you got to go with the emotional hedge of Michigan state gets to the, the national championship game. You know, so at least that way, uh, if your wife wins, so you can still make some money on that championship game, but let's go ahead and talk about Texas tech and Michigan state here. And you know, you and I kind of had a pretty interesting discussion and, and I don't want to run too long with this sidebar here, but we talked about Mike Krzyzewski. And look, Duke's been in the Final Four twice in 15 years. They get the pick of the litter when it comes to talent. Izzo draws up that inbounds or that uh, you know that inbounds play in the half court set for Michigan State. Winds up being that huge three pointer in the game. I mean, look, that, that's just what Tom Izzo does. I mean, Coach K gets the talent. Maybe he doesn't maximize it as much, at least not at the collegiate level. Uh, you know, those are guys that go on to have a lot of success in the NBA, obviously. But man, you look at what Izzo does here in the month of March, and it's just. It's almost unparalleled until you look at Chris Beard and what he's done here over the last two years. This is the penultimate coaching matchup, I think, with what we currently have in college basketball. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Coach K is a a good coach. I I don't think he, you know, in game is quite as good as some of the other guys. Uh, You know, I think people want to play hard for him, and he obviously is a great recruiter. I don't think he's a bad coach, but I think that, you know, some people may overvalue him a little bit. Um, you know, Tom Izzo, he's proven himself many times. You know, he's been Mr. March for a long time, and I know that they had a little bit of a span where they didn't get quite as far as, as what they have here. But, you know, you look at this guy's final four appearances, man, that's crazy. I mean, they, they don't have the very best talent in the country every year or anything like Duke does. So, you know, I think Michigan State's done a really good job to get to the Final Four this many times. I know the Big Ten hasn't won the, the, the big dance, the NCAA tournament, in quite a while. So, you know, as a Big Ten fan, um, you know, being a Big Ten guy, I'm rooting for Michigan State. Like we just said, you know, I kind of want Virginia to win it also. But, um, you know, to me in this game, that was what I was going to ask you first. 
um, you know, and, and you kind of said it right there. Who has the coaching advantage here? I mean, do you give anybody a coaching advantage in this matchup? Uh, wow. I mean, I, I guess I would say I give Michigan State the coaching advantage just because Jarrett Culver is such a big piece of Texas Tech's offense and really the only primary piece that they have. Michigan State has multiple scoring options. Izzo's had, what, four or five days to plan for Jarrett Culver. So I think just largely based on the situation and the composition of Texas Tech's team, I think that gives Izzo the coaching advantage just because he could spend all week planning for Jarrett Culver. But, I mean, obviously you don't want to belittle anything Chris Beard's done. Yeah, and I was going to say uh, for a different reason, I'd give Michigan State a slight advantage. I mean, Izzo's been here so many times in the past. You know, the fact that uh, Chris Beard is is not, you know, used to the Final Four, uh, a bit of a disadvantage for him. But I will say Chris Beard's a tremendous coach, and it's hard to pick, you know, any coach above him. So I don't think this is a big coaching advantage by any means, you know. We're not we're not talking about Tom Izzo versus Rick Barnes. Uh, you know where is Rick Barnes right now? Anyways, uh, you know his, the golf his course teams that are he's out there playing right, eighteen right. every day. Right, right. His teams that are supposed to get to this point, Rick Barnes. You know they they look so good. It looks like they're going to be there. I mean, until until they do it, you know he's going to have to prove it to me. But you know you've got Chris Beard here, a really really good coach. Uh, Tom Izzo. Excellent coach. He's proven himself here in the tournament many times in the past. The way I wanted to look at this game is I, I have quite a few notes on this one. So, you know, let's talk about each team on offense, you know, what they when they have the ball. Texas Tech on offense, 147th in turnover percentage. So they're not great at taking care of the basketball. Um, my concern with Texas Tech is exactly what Adam just said. You know, Jarrett Culver is the one player on this offense that can get his own shot. You know, to me, Moretti has been a very good player for them. Mooney's been a good player for them. But neither of those guys you can just clear out and say, hey, you go get it, you know. Somebody else has to have to help them get the open shot. And to me, you know, Culver is an excellent player. But as good a defense as Michigan State has, you have to think that they're going to have the game plan ready for Culver, like Adam just said. You know, if you look at Michigan State's defense, it really, really impresses me. I'm looking at Bart Torvik's site right now where you can look at the graphs of every single game opponent's point per, per possession. If you look at Michigan State, nobody scored any more than 1.12 points per possession on them in any single game this year. And I know 1.12 is a fairly high number, but if you look at almost anybody else, you're going to have a game where somebody scored 1.2 points per possession or better. So Michigan State has been very consistently good on defense. If you look at their last six games, nobody scored more than 1.01 points per possession. They're playing really good defense here of late. And that's against some pretty good offenses. Look, I mean, they played LSU, very good on offense. Uh, Duke, obviously very good on offense. So Michigan State's really locked in defensively right now. And my concern for Texas Tech on the offensive end would be that, you know, they have got to find a way to have somebody other than Culver be a really good offensive player in this one. I don't think he can do this single-handedly. If you look at Michigan State, who they're going to put on him, Michigan State has some length, some really good defenders. McQuaid's a good defender. Aaron Henry has some length and can really give him trouble. So I think Culver has some difficult matchups in this game. Texas Tech has struggled against zone defenses this year, uh, much more than man defenses. I don't think Izzo is going to play a zone. He almost never plays a zone defense. So, 
you know, Texas Tech on offense, though, my question mark for them would be, can somebody else step up? So, you know, um, Texas Tech offensively has been pretty good here of late, but earlier in the season they had some pretty bad games offensively. I'm just not sure that their offense is quite consistent enough. You know, what worries me a little bit about Michigan State here in this game is that Duke did have success getting to the rim. I mean, they were 18 of 26 in that game in the Elite Eight getting to the rim, and that was one of the keys that I talked about is that Michigan State's rim protection defense was just so, so strong. It was fourth best in the country. Duke was able to get to the rim. Can Texas Tech do the same? I don't think they can because, I mean, A, they don't have a Zion Williamson, and B, they just don't have the same talent level as Duke. When you look at Jared Culver's season here, 67.8% at the rim. So he's very good when he can get to the bucket. Michigan State should probably keep him from doing that. And in top 50 games, Culver's 22 of 82 from three. In top 100 games, 36 of 122 from three. So if he can't get to the rim, how effective of a scorer can he possibly be? Michigan State doesn't have to worry about multiple guys getting to the rack here. They really have to worry about one, maybe two. So that's the big game plan here for me. And something that Chris Beard has to figure out, I'm not sure he can figure it out. How do you get Jared Culver to the rim? Are you able to do that? Because if you're not, you better hold Michigan State to 60 points or thereabouts if you want a chance in this game. I don't know if they can do that. I'd have to lean Michigan State here minus the two and a half just because, again, Texas Tech is, is so dependent on one player there in Culver, and Culver's game is so dependent on getting inside. It's just not a good matchup against this Michigan State defense. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, my lean here is Michigan State, too. And I'll tell you what I think with Michigan State is the ba- on the offensive side here with the basketball. Uh, Cassius Winston has proven himself time and time again as a really good leader for this team. And, you know, there have been some – freshman one-and-done teams that have had a lot of success in the NCAA tournament, but it's still nice to have a leader that's been here multiple times, a veteran. Uh, Winston took over that game against Duke when he had to. I mean, Duke was winning by nine points on that huge run in the in the first half, and Winston just decided, I got to do this, and he did. Texas Tech, really, they haven't played that many good point guards. If you look at Texas Tech's uh, schedule, you don't play elite point guards very often. And, you know, I mean, Xavier Simpson is a pretty good point guard, too, uh, that they played in the postseason, but not as good as Cassius Winston. Certainly Winston's the best point guard they've played here in the NCAA tournament. Um, I would say that Perkins can make some pretty questionable decisions for Gonzaga, and that ended up hurting them quite a bit. Um, I think Winston's the more solid leader, uh, the more consistent player. And to me, uh, the important point about this here, obviously Texas Tech's defense is tremendous, and I can't take anything away from them. I love that Chris Beard has really made them just buy into defensively, you know, this is what we've got to do. We're going to be a great defense. I think the one way to beat Texas Tech is to move the ball a lot. Really good passing. I think if you're, you know, just one one time, one time passing, a bunch of dribbling, you're not going to have success against them. Michigan State does move the basketball very well. Even their big men can pass the ball around pretty well. So I think Michigan State's going to try to move that defense around as quick as they can. I also think another key here is Michigan State shot 77% from the free throw line in Big Ten play. Commits a decent amount of fouls. If Michigan State can get them in foul trouble, first of all, you know, maybe they can get somebody that's a key player on the bench some. And then second of all, Michigan State can really make them pay if they shoot free throws the way they have throughout the course of the season. 
I also think that Michigan State's big men, much stronger, uh, really just big guys, you know, more the football player type, really strong. Texas Tech has length, but they're they're thin. They're not as strong. So I could see Michigan State getting some post-op opportunities here with their bigger guys down low where they can put in that hook shot or, or push them down to, to get a layup or something like that, get good position, because Texas Tech doesn't have the same amount of size down low that Michigan State does. So, you know, overall, I think that in this game, I would lean Michigan State. I think this line might go up, if anything. So, you know, if you like Michigan State, I think you probably want to take two and a half. I think this game is likely to go to three. Um, as far as the total, I would lean to the under in this game if I had to take something. And my concern here is that, you know, there could be a decent amount of fouling in this game, and both teams could get a, a decent amount of free throws. We'll see how much they let them play here. These are two very physical teams. If they let them play as much as – some of the games lately, it appears the refs are trying to let them play. Uh, Duke and Michigan State was one of them. But, you know, if they if it's officiated that way, then I would like the under. Uh, it's hard to know ahead of time, though, which officials you're going to get. You don't, you don't know. So, I mean, this is a pretty low under. Um, for Michigan State, uh, very good defensively. Texas Tech, the best defense in the country. Um, you know, I think this number is a pretty fair number, but I, I would have to lean to the under, if anything. Well, and another thing that we could see here for Michigan State, and it's something you want to pay attention to from a live betting standpoint, I'm going dribble drive at Jared Culver as much as I can early in the game. Try to right. pick up a couple cheap fouls and also try to tire him out a little bit. Make him play on the defensive end so maybe it affects him negatively on the offensive end if Culver picks up a couple quick ones. I mean, obviously, you know, you're looking for a live betting opportunity. That's a great one to take Michigan State, uh, irrespective of what the score may be at that point in time. So, they got to run so real quickly we'll fly through this here let's project out some national championship lines with a couple of you know quick bullet point thoughts here on what we're looking at for next monday's title game let's say that michigan state and virginia do hold up as the favorites here what's that number look like uh, virginia likely favored by a point in that game i think uh you know the total would probably be 127 and a half 128 or something in a game like that and I will say that I think that Michigan State would have a real chance in that game. Obviously, you know, the spread being what it is. Uh, but, you know, Izzo has proven himself as a great coach in the NCAA tournament. I think Tony Bennett's a really good coach, and I like him. Very classy, um, top-notch guy. Um, you know, this is a, a Virginia team that, that can, uh, you know, really defend very well. But Michigan State's defense has been so good. Uh, Michigan State has a little bit more of the, the, the strength down low, I think. I think that could be a bit of a tough matchup there for Virginia if that one does come to fruition. All right, so if we get Texas Tech and Virginia outside of a total probably in the 119 range, uh, what sort of spread are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Virginia can be favored by a large margin there. I know that, you know, if you look at the two spreads now, you would think that Virginia would be favored by a decent amount. I think if Texas Tech wins – against Michigan State, they're going to get a little bit more credit again. Um, Virginia may be minus two or two and a half in that game. Yeah, the total, I mean, gosh, what, what do you set that total? I mean, 117 is is probably a fair number there. You know, as I'm looking at it, I, you know, 116, 117. They can't put 120. Everybody just take the under. Uh, I think even the public would take the under at that point. You know, Texas Tech-Virginia would be a tough game to handicap, in my opinion. I I don't even really know who I think I would want as far as a side in that game because, 
you know, you take Texas Tech, so good on defense. Like I said, they can struggle on offense at times. I, I would think that they could have a bit of a hard time scoring. Virginia, do I really, you know, think that they should be laying a number against Texas Tech very much? I mean, I'd be scared to lay any points with Virginia in what I think should be a very close game. So uh, I wouldn't have a strong opinion on the side there. All right, so uh, this isn't a Cinderella run by any means for Auburn. I mean, they were a five seed. They were a strong team in the SEC. But let's say that they do pull this upset over Virginia here. What does that number look like against Michigan State? Yeah, Michigan State-Auburn. So this one, to me, is the toughest number to make of all of them. You know, you you think about it here. Michigan State's been consistent throughout the course of the season. They've had that one poor stretch where they they didn't play very well. Um, You know, right now we're seeing – Virginia at five and a half against Auburn. And I said that I think Virginia would be favored by maybe a point, maybe not even that, maybe a money line favorite or something against Michigan state. So a pretty similar number likely. So I think Michigan state minus five here against Auburn, you've got a total that would likely be, you know, maybe 145, 145 and a half. Um, I would probably lean to the under if you get a high enough number there in a game like that, Michigan state and Auburn, um, if Auburn does pull the upset, I would look to go against them in the final game. I would think that, you know, it would be hard to keep winning without Chuma and they're down low. So uh, I think that Michigan State would be my preferred side there, and I would also lean to the under. Obviously, one more potential matchup here. If we get double dogs in the final four, Texas Tech and Auburn, what do we have at that point? So I think Texas Tech would likely be favored by three and a half points, somewhere in that range. I think the total would likely be maybe 134, 134 and a half. Um, Auburn would try to push the pace. They don't want to let Texas Tech set up their their defense, but you know it could be hard for them to score there. Texas Tech's defense has been so good. Again, I would lean Texas Tech in this game. Uh, you know, if you could get three, I'd like Texas Tech a decent amount. I, I don't know if you'll get three. It might be a bigger number than that. So, um, you know, both of these teams would get some credit for pulling upsets if they get to this point, but. I think that Auburn is, is not as deep, and obviously without the front court, uh, you wonder about how many games they can win in a row. I would lean Texas Tech here and, and maybe the under if I had to take something. Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. He's also been with us daily here over the last few months at bangthebook.com. Obviously, some sporadic college basketball stuff from you. These are some pretty tight lines, but we'll have some, uh, you'll have some premium selections up, I'm sure, here as we go through Monday. But I've had a lot of people reach out to me asking about baseball and handicappers for baseball season. So I'd rather you talk about baseball here as we finish this thing up and let us know what you've got available over there at Hunter Sports Picks. Yeah, I mean, I've done really well in baseball in the long term. I wouldn't say that I have quite the same passion for baseball that Adam does. You know, I'm more passionate about college basketball and about college football, but you know, baseball has been a good sport for me. Uh, you know, I'm the type of guy that I love going to a baseball game live. I like watching it on TV less. Um, you know, I would say baseball has been a strong sport for me, though. If you go back to 2010 to now, so nine years, I'm up 94 units, uh, just flat betting. So one unit per. And, uh, you know, that's obviously accounting for juice. So uh, you've got you know, pretty consistent track record uh, on baseball for me. And, and that's both on sides and totals. I know in some of the other sports, I have a big split with uh, totals and sides. 
I can have a tougher time sometimes with the against the spread sports, you know, deciding what to do with laying the points or, or grabbing the points. Money line sport, I, I think there's a good opportunity to find value there in baseball. So baseball, definitely one of my strengths, uh, you know, probably not quite as big of a strength as college basketball or college football, but I, I put it at the strongest of any of the professional leagues for me in a you know, pretty consistent sport. So you can check out all my packages there at huntersportsfix.com. And as always, you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, I love your brother. Thank you so much for joining me here throughout the college basketball and the college football seasons. I'm sure we'll get you on here over the summer, but uh, thanks so much, man, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Hey, thanks a lot, man. It's always a lot of fun, like I said, you know, and uh, you're, you're a great guy. I love that you work so hard. You know, I respect uh, the work you put in. You know, I know I work hard, and I always respect other people who work so hard. And, uh, you know, Adam is always grinding away, working very hard. So it helps make Bang the Book a great site. And uh, thanks again for for having me on so many times. I do want to say also before I uh, hang up here, thanks to all the listeners. I mean, Adam already said it, but, you know, there are some great listeners here on Bang the Book, uh, some high-quality people, a very loyal group. So thanks a lot for tuning in all the time. All right, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, man. There you go. There's Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper, over at huntersportspicks.com and at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. So, as we wrap up something, as we wrap up the regular shows here, we will be doing some one-off stuff. I'll have Brian Blessing on next Tuesday to talk about the Masters and the NHL playoffs. Uh, we'll do some stuff as we go throughout Kentucky Derby, college football win totals, uh, all that type of stuff. Maybe some, you know, uh, NFL draft stuff, things of that sort. We will do some special things here as we go throughout the summer. But uh, <coughs> excuse me, I want to thank all my guests. Kyle Hunter, Joe Everett, uh, Tony George, Brad Powers, Brian Leonard, Rolf Michaels, uh, Thor Nystrom, who joined us on the show. You know, we've had Ed Fang on the show this year. Um, and Brian Blessing. I feel like I'm forgetting some people. Brent from DSI, uh, you know, Joe Everett for helping me out with the Super Contest segment, Wes Reynolds as well. Had a lot of good people joining me here on the shows as we've gone throughout the season. And, uh, you know, all of them are people I consider friends. All of them are people I respect. Uh, in this profession, in this business. So very happy with everything that we've done here this season on Banging the Book Radio. And we will look to have some new guests here and some different voices and some different things as we head on into next season and you know, bring you some different mindsets, some different approaches, stuff like that. Really want to um, you know, make it a point to give you a full spectrum of what's available here in the sports betting industry. So looking forward to bigger and better things here as we head on into the daily shows of next year. But of course, Listen to my Better's Box podcast every Monday and Thursday. Again, we'll have some one-off stuff. We'll be doing UFC uh, still with Christian Pina, but we'll be doing Masters, Kentucky Derby, win totals, draft, all kinds of stuff here. We'll still talk about a lot of those things on Bang the Book Radio, so keep it tuned right here throughout the spring and the summer. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow with a new edition of the Better's Box.